Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard on VSEN. Welcome back in. It is hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. We're here in downtown Las Vegas, our Circa Sportsbook Studios. So happy to be alongside Mike Pritchard. Hope you had a great uh, Christmas time, Mike. Had, all, Christmas. had a lot of family here in Las Vegas, right? I, not a decent amount. Decent a decent amount. amount. Yep. A lot of friends, obviously, from yeah. Vegas. And um, so growing up here, and it's like uh, made the rounds. Uh, it was a long the, Christmas. Uh, long. <laughs> it's a Christmas. long Christmas, yeah. Yeah. Oh, lo- lo- yeah. Lovely for, I know, all of us. Brian uh, Brian Ortega, our uh, producer behind the glass, mm-hmm. and, and everybody else involved. I think Liz Foster's in the in the house. We've got Troy Kinch, Ryan Pineda. Uh, I don't think who else. Sergio Sanchez. Okay. Andre Perezo. Merry Christmas, everyone. To Ryan Hunter, I'm sorry. There's, there's a bunch of Ryans uh, yeah. that's going on here. I just wanted to say yeah, belated uh, Merry yes. Christmas to everybody. Glad we are here today for a, uh, a, a Tuesday crew edition of the Lombardi Line. And Josh Applebaum will join us a little bit later in the hour from the VEASAN Morning Daily Bets uh, podcast as well. So, Will Hill was just uh, describing his love for the Green Bay Packers this week. We flip on over to the NFC edition of... Seven and great, or seven and too late, something we give credit to our producer, Brian Ortega, for coming up with. So, Will, talking you into a little Packer minus three bet there. He did, absolutely. You you getting that thing in? I'm looking at the movement. I mean, three and a half even here at Circa. Uh, You're going to pay up for three, minus 120 other places. But, um, yeah, just anticipating before any injury news and things like that come out, you know, and and maybe certainly the market's going to move too. So, if you're anticipating the market going up, why not kind of lock in that field goal situation right now? Sure. A lot yeah. of the look pre, uh, pre-game look-ahead numbers were in the two-and-a-half range. Mm-hmm. It quickly went up to three. Now we're in danger, uh, at least at a lot of books, of getting off of that key number, going to Green Bay minus three-and-a-half. At this point, Packers plus 185 to make right now. One, three, of five. I still would posit they got awfully fortunate Sunday in Miami. The game completely flips on a, a fumble at the end of the first half when the Packers were down 20-10 uh, to 10 in the game, could not stop the Dolphins, no matter what they tried to put out there, kind of what I thought would happen. And then mm-hmm. Miami kind of self-imploded three interceptions by Tua Tagovailoa, was concussed at some point in the mix, as we then find out huh. yesterday. But you now get a Minnesota defense that has been very porous all you know, look all, all year giving up big chunk plays, Mike, and an offense for the first time, first two straight games since week one, weeks one and two, where the top five wide receivers and top two running backs are both healthy. Mm-hmm. So you would think, what do you all like to say, a young man's game there, Mike, for yeah. the Green Bay Packers, with a full complement of weapons, this should profile as a really good matchup at home against a bad Minnesota defense. Yeah, I mean, they only have three losses on the year, though. I still cannot erase that. I mean, I, I get it from a metric standpoint, stat standpoint. Yeah, the Vikings, they do find ways. Uh, they, they find ways, but the Vikings' defense is... Uh, is something that uh, you want to see an improvement with. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, as far as um, uh, are they 7 and great or 7 too late, uh, I mean, they have zero tiebreakers too, right? So they need a lot of help uh, as well as, as trying to win on out um, from a playoff standpoint. But it's starting to look like people wanted it to look like weeks ago. Like I knew the Packers were going to tinker, obviously from a personnel standpoint, but then also 
from a philosophy standpoint, what they are offensively. Three years in a row, they won 13 games. Uh, you know, no more Devontae Adams. Okay, you have the youth movement. You needed to do that. Uh, offensive line is uh, in transition, too, with some key players. Uh, so you're going to tinker. So sacrificing uh, the win, win totals, I thought that would be in jeopardy for this football team. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of making the playoffs, I, I, what's happening with the Packers now, I thought would happen sooner. Uh, it's taken a minute. Uh, and then defensively, uh, Coach Barry, he needs to do a better job with that personnel that he has right there. And it, it kind of showed up last week on the road. Uh, so I think the Packers are moving in the right direction, unlike you driving with the uh, emergency signal on <laughs> because oh, yeah. of the caution. You're cautious today. Um, but Hey, man. So I lost. <laughs> That's okay. I don't blame you. You I don't know blame me. I, I pessimistic as a native of Wisconsin. There's, sure. there's some pessimism. There. You, you've seen a lot with this football team. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Experienced a lot. But um, it, it's starting to look like they wanted it to look like. And to, to me, you know, now you're more confident. You're coaching more confidently. Uh, you're playing. You're practicing more confidently. Uh, so it's moving in the right direction against a team that I know they want the number one seed. I don't know if they're going to get there, but certainly holding on to number two is going to be important but a team in the Minnesota Vikings that are very, very loose, uh, but very, very confident. And they feel like they're in every single game. And that could be dangerous. So um, it's at three now. If it does climb to three and a half, okay, at least I got inside that. But it's a divisional game. It's a one-possession situation. You know that because it involves the Vikings. Uh, but I, I do like um, the Packers up there in Lambeau, though. Yeah, and a, look, a true elimination game for yeah. Green Bay. We showed the scenarios, and it would really stun me if the Giants lost out at this point. Mm-hmm. Going to need a commander loss, either home to Cleveland this week. Oof, that makes me a hey. word. Or, uh, or <laughs> Dallas, a team that might not have any, anything to play for in Week 18. So still a lot that has to happen. That is why, even though Green Bay is favored by about three, three and a half this week, and will be favored probably by a similar margin against Detroit next week, you're still much better. I would say you're much better off just playing those games individually mm-hmm. than looking at the plus 175 on the odds uh, to make or miss. At least on the you know, and the teams that Green Bay would have to leapfrog right now, as you, you said, don't have the tiebreak over Detroit because right. Packers have already lost to Detroit this year. But as far as the Lions are concerned, man, when you give up that many rushing yards, oh. and you let Chuba Hubbard and Sam Darnold pick between like four or five different lanes and you, you have all the ground room in the world. Now you face Justin Fields in Chicago. I get it. The 3-12 and 12 team potential to be in the mix for the number one overall pick in next year's draft, Mike. But if you're Detroit, you, it, you get the sense that the air was deflated from the balloon a little bit after this incredible run, having won 6-7. And now where do you go from here? How do you reset as a player's perspective so quickly when that run came to a crashing end in Charlotte last week? Well, I mean... They got challenged, and they, they lost that challenge. And I, what, what I mean by that is Detroit, from a physical standpoint, they didn't have one. Like, how does that even happen in a game of football, right? Like, I, I do not understand how the willingness to take on blocks, shed blocks, and be violent at the point of attack and get off that block and make a tackle. I don't know why that disappeared for the Lions. Um, but it did. Now, can it reappear? Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think when you're challenged like that as a – as a physical player, as an athlete, defensively, uh, you you have to rise to that challenge. Now, offensively, they made some mistakes. Obviously, we saw that in that football game. Uh, those are correctable, I think, against that Chicago defense, too. They should be okay, right, correcting those mistakes and making plays. Uh, it's, they're laying six, though. It's the Lions as a favorite uh, in the game. And as a road favorite last week, that didn't work out. But as a home favorite, I mean, those are a lot of points. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if that line's going to climb or not, but 
Uh, obviously, I, I wouldn't lay to six with the Lions. I'd right. look at teasers or something like that. But um, I, I, I think the willingness will return to this football team to mix it up uh, and take on that mm-hmm. rushing attack, which is really good for Chicago yeah. Bears. This is where the whole motivation question when it comes to the handicap of games is, is really convoluted because you would have said going into last week, like Detroit, they've been in a win-out scenario essentially the, the last six weeks, and mm-hmm. it's been a big reason why the Lions had had such a big surge forward. And to no-show in a position like oh. that, it just it, it gives you a reason to believe, look, maybe that was the peak. Maybe after a Week 15 very fortunate win in New York against the Jets, Maybe that was the peak, and this this team, look, you, you think about the emotion and the amount of energy it took to make the run that they did winning 6-7. of seven. Maybe there just isn't much left in the tank, and it's why I find myself with a lot of trepidation, even 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 laying a number of six that, against a bad Bears defense that should be a win on paper. Yeah, because what you said is true. I mean, from a metric standpoint even, if you want to go here, um, at the beginning of the year, that defense stunk. You know, and then they got right and played very well or played at a decent level, uh, only yielding about 20 points a game for several weeks. But it's somewhere in the middle of that, right? Really, really bad. And, and okay, wow, they look good right now. So it's somewhere in the middle. So where is the middle point uh, against a team like Chicago and that, and that rushing attack? That's how I would view it. Uh, but I, I think offensively, if they can avoid mistakes and execute like they have executed all year long, they should be okay in this game, especially from a teaser standpoint. Um, but the wild card obviously is where's that defense? Are they going to show up? Are they going to they're going to mm-hmm. meet the challenge? Are they going to be challenged by the coaches? Are the coaches going to uh, convey to them what it takes to be physical in the month of uh, December and January as you're approaching the playoffs? Yeah. And uh, that that to me is is uh, is a big question mark. Totals on the rise. See, that's that's yeah. the one thing I look at for this okay. game. If you want to bet this game and have conviction, it would be jumping in front of an over before mm-hmm. the number keeps rising. Granted, highest number on the board this week. A lot of shops open 51 and a half. Immediately got banged to the over. Some of the offshore openers were 48 and a half, Mike. Wow. 48 and a half. <laughs> These two defenses, Chicago and Detroit, that number I expect will continue to rise in an indoor setting in Ford Field. Other team, too, in that seven-seed wildcard race, the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. I mean, it's a loss of four of the last five, now plus 250. However, it's the Jets this week with Mike White back at quarterback and then a pretty dead Rams team to close the season. How do you assess this latest month now for Seattle as we look forward? Well, I mean, I love the storylines here because, okay, it's it's the Jets and it's Pete Carroll, the team that fired them and all that stuff, right? You're looking for axe to grinds. You're looking for chips on shoulders and stuff like that. Geno I mean, Smith. Yeah. Geno Smith, too. I mean, you throw all that in there. It, it makes It makes a lot of sense, and... Um, for what Gino is right now, uh, slow starts or, or mistakes uh, has have happened more and more. Uh, and then defensively, I, I love the corners in these games uh, for both teams, really. Uh, so you wonder from a total standpoint, we're looking at 42 and a half. Um, but uh, Seattle with the home field advantage as a home dog, I always love that situation uh, up there in Seattle from a teaser standpoint for sure. Uh, even if White's coming back, I mean, I, there's exciting players on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Got to keep an eye on the injury situation, though, for mm-hmm. Seattle. Um, and, and and I think uh, just from a trenches standpoint, th- this should be a battle, though. That defense for the Jets, for real, <laughs> for real. And, uh, you know, Seattle, typically they're going to have to run it to help Gino. Uh, so I wonder if Seattle can run the football. But I do, I do like the home dog situation for Seattle in terms of yeah. doing other things, though. In the teaser, like 
position. We had that conversation. Mm -hmm. The teams teasing short underdogs up against bottom half of the league offenses. Those individual legs went 4-0 last mm -hmm. week, Mike. Mm -hmm. What, 23-3 now since week 10 when Not we started bad. keeping track? <laughs> Not bad. Uh, even with Mike White coming back, yeah. hard to believe the Jets winning that game by margin against a desperate Seattle team, even if those struggles are pretty obvious yeah. on the Seahawks side. When we return, we have some right route, wrong route to delve into with Pritch. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game. VEASAN.com. It's that time, Mike Pritchard. Little right yes. route, wrong route. Uh -huh. Story today, it just came out about a half hour ago at NFL.com. Apparently, head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, could be, has at least floated the idea that it might not be Derek Carr finishing the year at quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, just the latest saga in a disastrous season for the Raiders. And that's the one team, like, Raiders have been on the right route of yours at times. Yep. They've been on the wrong route. They've been back right. Now they're back wrong, I would imagine. Yeah, they are wrong route uh, because it's indicative of the season. You know, the up and down nature, the, the close games, uh, the relinquishing of leads, if you will. Uh, and they've lost those games. Although last year they won those games. They won 10 wins and found themselves in the playoffs. But... Mark Davis, the owner, said, you know what? I want to upgrade uh, over an interim head coach in Rich Bisaccia and, and his staff. Gus Bradley was on that staff, too, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But here you go. You bring in a new staff. You think it's an upgrade, but it hasn't worked out. I mean, it looks like the Raiders are going to have a losing season. And, and why is that going to happen? Well, there's been a turnover on the roster as they evaluated players. Uh, and then the quarterback situation. Y you have to make a move on the quarterback situation. You can't be in limbo right uh and they are i mean if you look at the contract of Derek carr he's got he's got about 40 million dollars of guaranteed money in the future uh right after the season really right and it's like okay do you want to do that or do you want a chance to go in a different direction because you got Derek carr going into year 10 has yet to win a game in the playoffs uh, and talking to Michael Lombardi and others, certainly, but, uh, you know, right around year six or year seven, if you're not at producing at a high level, we're looking to get younger because you get younger, you get cheaper, and you get better. Uh, you upgrade. And I, I think teams that get stuck in the, in the notion that they can't upgrade every position are the teams that find themselves in a situation like the Raiders. Haven't had mm -hmm. a playoff win since 2002. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I think change is coming, and, and with that, from a betting standpoint, there's opportunity. Obviously, you know, Derek Carr, if he got hurt in a game coming up this weekend, now you're talking about guaranteed money coming into play that you're going to have to pay a guy that you might want to move on from. So from a business decision, what do you do? You can, well, maybe you sit him, and you have That's every really reason point, to yeah. sit him, right? So uh, I, I think those talks are going on inside the building, and along with other players that they tried to trade this year, as well so it's a wrong route as they trying they're trying to figure out what's the right fit moving forward for josh mcdaniels and his coaching staff 
if you look at the completion percentage over expectation, which is a great measure of mm -hmm. how quarterbacks are performing within the system and how the scheme opens up certain throws, it's literally just completion percentage divided by what the expect, expected completion percentage is. Right. There are only three quarterbacks who have had starting, starting level numbers who at least had taken enough snaps to qualify. Three quarterbacks who are worse than Derek Carr this Ooh. year. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> really? Th those are the only three quarterbacks worse than Derek Carr in completion percentage over expectation. You're coming off the top rope with the metrics. I mean, I, mean. I, I try to only use them when there's some, some heft <laughs> to them there, Mike. Good. And then you, you combine that with the quote this morning, that, and this is the thing that will make some waves today. Josh McDaniels, here's the quote. For us to be able to win at this time of year and be productive, offensively, you have to throw the ball better than what we've thrown at times here in the last month and a half. Yeah. So the follow-up to that question was, all right, would you consider benching Carr for Jarrett Stidham last two games of the year? And he said, and I love throwing coach quotes at you, Mike, uh -huh. as a longtime NFL player, I think there's a possibility that we would do the right thing regardless of the position. That was the response from Josh McDaniels. You want to be a player interpreter there of the coach speak? We're talking about benching Derek Carr. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> Thank you for that. We're gonna very, get, uh, uh, yeah, we're going to get Stidham ready to go against the 49ers. Okay. That's what that means. Thanks for that. High-level <laughs> high, high, level, uh, high level interpretation yeah. there, Mike. Lion is at five and a half. Most numbers have gone to six at home against San Francisco this week. Keep in mind for next week, too, Vegas hosts Kansas City in a game where the Chiefs very well could be in a position to, look, to win and get the number one seed, mm -hmm. depending on what happens Monday night right. with Buffalo going to Cincinnati. Right. So that is something, again, from it seems like things have been kind of crumbling from within. Makes sense that you would have the Raiders uh, on your wrong route. And then the Miami Dolphins, another mm -hmm. team that, while the season isn't over by any means, still as it sits right now, would be in playoff positioning yet. Right. This thing has gone off the rails pretty quick, Mike. Uh, how how bad do you look at things for Miami? At the yeah, moment? they're failing, basically failing. I mean, Mike McDaniel, as a head coach, uh, credit to him for the beginning of the year to start. Uh, and I think it was all new. And, okay, sometimes you can catch people because you are new. Uh, you got this quarterback you didn't know a lot about. And all of a sudden, okay, wait a minute, he's got a skill set. But that skill set, the league has caught up to. You know, sitting on routes, anticipating his timing, anticipating his launch points and where he wants to throw the ball. And, and Tua is limited in terms of evolving his game. Like even Tom Brady is still evolving his game. Even Aaron Rodgers to a certain extent. You know, quarterbacks, they evolve your game. You have to. Justin Herbert evolving his game. Josh Allen evolving his game. Where Tua, it seems like he's stuck. Uh, and they've skewed it 62-38. Not too severe pass-run ratio, okay. but I would love to see the, the Dolphins be able to run the ball to help out Tua, especially with play-action stuff. And uh, but he's going through his what third concussion now or protocol yeah. again, once again, which I think is a lingering effect from the season, really, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, offensive line uh, from that standpoint, you're, you're really seeing the weaknesses appear, uh, even though they are highly explosive on the outside. I mean, there's, there's no taking away that uh, for what the Dolphins have created. But I, I, th I just think they're failing and discovering what they needed to improve on. It's had that feel like and when you watch the way the offense played, especially in the second half against mm -hmm. Green Bay, Mike, where like they're so reliant on Taka Bailoa to hit like that one read because it's like the way they set up their offense with the, the crossing route usage. It's like you've got these minimal little windows, and if you find it, great. You could have a catch-and-run 75-yard touchdown. Right. If you don't, now disaster is in the mix. And you also have a bad offensive line ranked 25th in, in overall pass-blocking grades this year. You are you're you just you put yourself in these small windows. Mm -hmm. It kind of seems like the opposite of what most coaches should optimally be doing, right? For success, where you want to give your quarterback 
multiple reads, multiple opportunities to find success. I don't know if that's just me not really knowing the ins and outs of of a, of a true scheme and X's and O's, Mike, watching that on the surface, but it just seems like an offense that's kind of pigeoned themselves into this weird corner where right. it's either all or nothing, and we saw how that played out to the good for two quarters mm-hmm. and to the bad for the final two quarters against Green Bay. Absolutely. Well said. I mean, I, I think scheme goes so far. Like, you can win with scheme in September, October, not so much in November, but teams do mm-hmm. it. Be- but when you're watching tape and you've got all these cut-ups, like, you can watch tape, and a lot of people watch the All-22, right, on NFL.com yeah. or whatever. We have cut-ups. Like, we have specific cut-ups of down and distance in area of the field all, all season long. Like, every situation we have cut-ups of. Like, that's different than watching the All-22, right? And so from a study standpoint or from a film standpoint, when, when you can really focus in on what the tendencies are and what they like to do and where they are down and distance and you have that information – no different than being a better, you can make a, a, a sound judgment. Uh, and that's what we're seeing defenses do against Miami, and Miami has the inability to adjust from that. It's been yeah, wild to watch the last in the league in rushing attempts, a big reason you talk about balance and what you want to mm-hmm. see, even though pass rates are they're always going to be over 50%, especially with an offense like that, they should be just not taking advantage of the opportunities. Miami, it's amazing, Miami's still minus 225 to make the playoffs. Well, because they got off to a great start, it, though, right? It, it, uh, well, it comes down to this week, Miami and New England. Patriots yeah. are now two-and-a-half-point favorites in the market there, Mike. Uh, we already talked Chargers. Team mm-hmm. is on your right route from the Monday night win last night. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, too. They are, they are going to qualify there, Pritch. It wasn't just some uh, fortunate, immaculate reception 50-year-later type deal. Uh, you're, you're a believer here in Pittsburgh. I am. I mean, we saw Pickens line up in the inside and, and run a great route, understanding you know the interior of a defense and how to get open. Has he... Like, just his stem as he widened out uh, and created more space for the quarterback. I mean, those little small things that I talk about that show up on tape uh, that this team is starting to learn to be prolific throwing the football. Uh, and be- because they're so young, they got a rookie quarterback and they got all these younger wide receivers too. So I wonder what they're going to do with Canada. Uh, if they can upgrade the offensive coordinator, again, don't be afraid of upgrading any part of your organization. If they can upgrade or Canada can get better, then I look out for this team next year. I think it's a little bit too late this year mm-hmm, because of right. the lack of tiebreakers, but they're certainly on the right, right routes. I, I love the culture. I love the aspect that the Steelers have, uh, and I love that the coaching staff is energized because of all this uh, this youth uh, around him and all the extra yeah. energy around him as well. Yeah, George Pickens, it's been, a, oh. it's been fun to watch his growth. <laughs> and I know, I mean, that's for, I mean, that's for the thing you, I would think, appreciate more than any yeah. other position, having played the position, like how satisfying that has to be to watch a guy grow, make adjustments, and mm-hmm. use his just immense athleticism and talent, but put the pieces together. Right. It seems like that's starting to happen there for Pickens. It really is. Uh, Johnson on the outside, too, and Friar Muth. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they have a, a, a lot of younger talent. Uh, even Najee, I mean, I don't know where the start and stop stuff is coming from, but you know, if that's his style, that's his style. I don't know how long it's going to last, but he's not a bell cow with that, right? Yeah. So had help him. Uh, with a one-two punch. Yeah. All right. Right route. Wrong route. Mm-hmm. Boom. We only have two weeks left in the year, Mike. I know. It's time to get yeah. on the right route if That's you want right. to make the playoffs. When we come back, Josh Applebaum, he's always on the right route. Josh has some Week 17 plays for us and bull plays next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v With Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard. 
VSIN is the gift that keeps on giving. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber for only $79 and get access to everything we do from now through the big dance. Sign up today and you'll also receive $20 to buy VSIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear at our online store. Only VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests, betting splits, and betting reports. This is a limited time offer. So sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift and get VSIN Pro access to the end of March Madness at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Mike Pritchard, just like Josh Applebaum, who's about to join us here on the Lombardi line. Although, look, for a guy like uh, Mac Jones, who's out in Josh's neck of the woods there in Boston, it's a rough time to be one Mac Jones. I mean, there, there's a few people right now, or types of people, who are not enjoying the holiday season, Mike. I mean, I think, you know, like the Grinch, obviously not a great time to be that right, guy. Right. Uh, Southwest Airlines employee, not a good time to be anybody <laughs> affiliated with that mess of an airline. Uh, thanks to my dad, by the way, for driving me six hours back from uh, California last night. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to him. He's the real MVP. That's why we're here today, That's right. Mike. So That's thanks right. to the doctor for making it happen. And then there's Mac Jones, Josh Applebaum, who, uh, I mean, he's... He's making dirty plays like that. And that did not sit well with our guy, Mike Pritchard, by the way. So, I mean, what's uh, what, what's the scuttlebutt over there in Boston on this Patriots uh, continued crumbling of a season? No, Pritchard, Ben, you're totally right. And again, talk radio, this is a big point of, of discussion right now with Mac Jones. We've seen it again. These They're piling up here, these issues with kind of these unsportsmanlike plays. Remember, he was a tennis player growing up, kind of that kind of quote-unquote tennis brat mentality, kind of that uh, little dirty play here and there. I actually heard a comparison. I forgot who it was, but they compared him to Grayson Allen of the NBA. Remember when Grayson Allen uh, was at Duke and continued to do some of these antics here in the NBA? I thought that was a pretty apt comparison, but you are going to see, it's kind of funny, like when it was Belichick Brady and we were winning all these Super Bowls, it's like, who's more important, Belichick or Brady? Obviously, it's you know, uh, you know, tr- truth, truth be told, time has shown us that it was probably mostly Brady there, but if you look at now, it's kind of this big argument of who's more to blame, Mac Jones or the coaching staff? So I think you're going to get 50-50 here in terms of, you know, kind of the, the take from the Boston crowd. But looking at this game here, guys, Miami and New England, I think if you're the Patriots, you're kind of liking the spot there that you're in right now. We've seen some dog-to-fave line movement toward New England. What's kind of ironic here, too, is both teams have been struggling, losing some games here recently. Uh, yet they both control their own destiny. If they went out, they can punch their ticket to the playoffs. But what I notice here, guys, is all about Tua Tagovailoa. Tua, obviously, uh, is in the concussion protocol. I think you're going to handle this if you're the NFL and if you're the team very carefully. You all remember, you know, a few months ago with that kind of, um, you know, kind of controversy with Tua, uh, you know, getting the concussion and not being taken out of the game and playing just a few days later. So if Tua's in the concussion protocol, you're probably going to get Teddy Bridgewater here to start this game. And because of the Tua injury or concussion situation, a lot of movement here toward the Patriots. This game opened uh, Dolphins laying about two on the road, minus two. Now you flipped all the way to Patriots, minus two and a half. So I think for the Pats, you're happy to see Tua hopefully not play here. Hopefully he's okay with his health. But Tua has been a Patriots killer. Patriots are 0-4 against Tua. He's really lit them up every time that they've played. Uh, so I'd be looking at New England here. If As long as this continues to be a contrarian bet, like does the public say, hey, no Tua once it's announced he can't play and then the Patriots become a popular bet? That's something I'm monitoring. But as of now, guys, only about 40% of bets are on the Patriots. But they're taking in almost 70% of the money. So lines going to the Pats. It could be a money line play here with New England. But also, guys, if you're worried about kind of a divisional dog angle here, or maybe, uh, you know, Pritch, you tease up Miami. Although ever since uh, McDaniel put on that shirt, it's great to be in the freezing cold. He's 0-4. Uh, luckily for him, it's not going to be that cold this week. It's been freezing the last week in New England, but it's going to warm up a little bit to about 50 degrees. One thing that looked out, uh, jumped out to me, guys, if you're worried about this uh, movement here, maybe you're missing the boat with this Patriots number because it's moved so much. Maybe you look at the under here. It opened 43 and a half. You're now down to around 42. Uh, you would look at these number one system match for me, outdoor divisional unders when it comes to totals. They're 33 and 15 to the under 
Uh, divisional unders that drop at least half point are 26 and 12, 68%. And both these teams are very slow. You know, pace of play, uh, you know, you know, a guy like Ken Palm or Hollinger NBA, you think about it with totals in basketball. But but uh, with the NFL and Pritch, you know this, some teams are much slower and they run fewer plays. Uh, that would be a benefit to the under here. The Patriots are 27th in the NFL in slowest pace. Miami is 30th. They're both running less than 60 plays a game. So maybe a little bit, a little bit to the under. And as long as the Patriots stay contrarian, I think you probably uh, like the spot the Pats are in if there's no two in this game. Yeah, great breakdown right there, Josh. I mean, there's so much on the side of the Patriots kind of uh, – <laughs> Because I don't, I mean, the league, they're not going to suspend Mac Jones, right? I mean, they'll probably fine him heavily, but I don't think they're going to suspend Mac because of a competitive nature uh, in the meaning of this football game, too. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm curious about why everything is dysfunctional uh, and frustrating uh, for this football team right now and making mistakes on the field that you normally don't see Patriots players making. You're exactly right, Pritch. You know, I was back home with my dad watching the game. We used to sweat games together. Even before betting, we would just bet him as Boston sports fans. Uh, we were watching the game on Sunday or on Saturday against the Bengals. You're down 20 to nothing. He's saying, hey, let's turn it off and go hang out with the family. I'm like, no, let's sweat this game and see what happens here because the Patriots were pretty sharp. I think they were plus three and a half down to three. A lot of missed kicks in that one. But to your point, Pritch, a lot of mistakes. You have an opportunity to win that game at the end. Ramondre Stevenson fumbles the ball. I go back all the way to training camp. You know, we go into this year with no offensive coordinator. You're putting in defensive guys. You're put, trying to put a square peg in a round hole with Patricia and Judge. Uh, you really didn't build a very good offensive line. And Mac Jones had a pretty good rookie year. Then you pulled the curtain out from under him or the rug out from under him with a new system uh, trying to do something different. So to me, this is on Belichick. You are hearing rumors, though, got those guys. Uh, that Bill O'Brien could be leaving Alabama. At least that's what they're saying in New England. It's going to be the OC for the Patriots. If that happens, you're probably a little more optimistic about next year's team. This year's team, it just seems like they always uh, find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Penalties, turnovers. It's really been an uncharacteristic Belichick team this year. Yeah, a lot of shakeups potentially yeah. going on in Foxborough. Plus 650 right now to make the postseason there <laughs> for the New England Patriots. Let's go to college bowl season, Josh. Four games on the docket today uh, right now at the half. We have one game. Uh, four, I'm just adjusting my uh, see, see the screen on the, in our studio here. 14-6, Josh. We got a lot of monitors here in uh, in our Circus Sportsbook Studio. Georgia Southern uh, down 14 to six at the half right now to Buffalo. So our guy Will Hill Pritch, uh, he, he needs some help there. Yeah, with, he needs uh, with, some help with there. the old Eagles. Uh, but you're looking at for some value a little bit later today, uh, Josh. In Oklahoma State and Wisconsin, we'll play in Glendale, Arizona. What uh, what jumps out to you from a value perspective there? So from a value perspective, I'm going to take the under here, guys. This reminds me a lot of the Monday Night Football under from last night where you saw, the, obviously, the Chargers and the Colts go under. But it's kind of the same opening number and kind of same movement, kind of the same game day movement here. So if we look at OK State uh, in Wisconsin, this total open up at around 48, the early look ahead number here. We got all the way down at one point to around uh, 42 and a half, 43. We've seen this line creep back up a little bit now to around 44 and a half here. It was at 45 when I was looking at uh, this number earlier today for the Morning Bets pod play. So to me, I love the fact when you have consistent movement in one direction with really no buyback whatsoever. Now, if you look at the opener to the current, again, 48 down to 44 and a half couple things going on here guys number one we have seen unders do very well uh in the in these bowl games again bowl games are a great time to go contrarian look at dogs look at unders both dogs and unders are 11 and 7 so far to start the bowl game so unders have been pretty good to start also to me this is why i, I like the under but i'm not going to play the spread here I, I was leaning a little bit toward oklahoma state earlier they were like plus three and a half juiced up like they may get down to three but over the last hour or so there's been a lot of wisconsin money ben i don't oh know if these are your your brethren back in Wisconsin here, but Wisconsin's now up to minus four and a half. So late movement toward Wisconsin. But the reason why I want no part of this spread, even though I do respect that late movement to the Badgers, 
is you have a lot of opt-outs here, guys. Spencer Sanders is out, quarterback for OK State. You have, um, you have uh, who is it, Nick Herbig, going to go to the NFL draft. He's not playing. Graham Mertz, the quarterback for Wisconsin, is not playing. So to me, with a lot of those question marks here, I look at it and say we've, kept, we, we have, uh, we've had consistent movement toward the under. You're getting opt-outs with your quarterbacks. Theoretically, their backups aren't going to be as good as they are, so maybe you have less offense here. So I'm going to take this under. It's a late game here. I want to see this line continue to fall. I don't really want to touch it when you have you know, kind of uh, question marks on both sides. To me, that just speaks to a volatile play here, even though, again, there is late money to Wisconsin. So I'm just taking this under. Give me the OK, OK State and the Badgers under 44 and a half tonight. Okay, Josh, uh, about uh, two minutes left in this one, uh, this segment here. But Duke, uh, Central Florida, uh, open three, minus three, three and a half. I uh, see across the board, one three still out there. Uh, 62 and a half total uh, firm across the board. What's your betting angle on this game? So, Pritch, this is my favorite angle when I'm betting bowl games. An unmotivated team with a lot of question marks, opt-outs, coaching issues versus a motivated team who has something to play for. So give me Duke in this one, guys. Yeah. I actually saw a tweet from our buddy Ben Fox. This was not me. This is a little bit uh, higher than my unit size. But someone just put uh, like 300 grand here on the money line uh, at Caesars on Duke on the money line. And I'm right there with them on this money line play. So, Pritch, you, you hit the nail on the head. This yeah. is a dog-to-fave line move toward the Dukies. This open actually UCF. Uh, laying three uh, as a neutral site play. Now we flipped all the way to Duke laying three and a half. This was minus three, two and a half just a couple days ago. So further movement toward Duke. And this is why I want to bet against UCF. They've lost two of their last three games. Uh, they have a bunch of opt-outs. Their number one wide receiver is going to transfer. Their two top defenders aren't going to play. They have up to 10 opt-outs overall. Their quarterback, John Ryan's Plumley, he could be hobbled with a hamstring injury. And you look at Duke, they played well down the stretch. They won four of their last five. This is their first bowl game in five years. You have a new coach who is motivated to win this game. So to me, this is kind of the perfect storm. You have one team with opt-outs, with transfers, with coaching issues. The other team is motivated and everybody's playing. We got a dog-to-fave line move to Duke. Again, you can lay the uh, the spread here and save the juice, but I'm willing to pay a little bit of a price here. Just say, hashtag win the game. Give me the Dukies on the money line to win the game minus 170 tomorrow. Boom. See, minus 165. You yeah. can find one of those numbers at uh, BetMGM right now. Best number in the market as we sit at this very moment, about uh, 140 Eastern on a Tuesday. She's, he's Josh Apple. I'm giving him a follow at Josh underscore insights, host of Eason Morning Daily Bets, Market Insights Podcast. Great. Uh, always catching up with you there, Josh. Glad you had some time there with the family at home, even though the Pats kind of, you know, didn't really do their part of the bargain. It's okay, though, Josh. We appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you next year. Of course. Right. See, uh, I knew I knew Josh would have a see you next year joke. I should have known. I should have checked the calendar more closely, Mike. I wasn't ready for that. Josh is, a, you know, he's a great amateur comedian. We know that about Josh. Uh, Thursday night football time. Our preview coming up next to wrap up the show. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
As we wrap up the show today on the Lombardi line, big thanks to our producer, Brian Ortega, our technical director, Andrew Ringgold, everybody else helping us out downtown Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. Uh, just seeing a quote come out today, it, Mike, we were not on the air yesterday, but mm -hmm. seeing the news about Nathaniel Hackett's firing as head coach of the Denver Broncos, <laughs> George Patton, the uh, GM today, just seeing a quote come out. We do believe Russell Wilson is fixable. <laughs> that is the quote coming out of Denver, one of your former teams, Mike. Uh, what, what do you make of that line? Well, as far as his play on the field, uh, maybe you can repair it, uh, but you have to have structure, and certainly you have to have uh, a strong-minded head coach, um, somebody with authority, somebody with credibility, somebody with respect, all, all, all of those. You need to have that because mm -hmm. you're dealing with a guy who thinks highly of himself. The reason why he wanted to come to the AFC West was – uh, to challenge Patrick Mahomes, you know, to be thought of as an MVP type of player, to be the thought of as a quarterback like that. But he's not, right? But he thinks he's that guy. Uh, so first of all, you got to repair that or, or, or uh, shrink his ego. I mean, the, the demands this guy had on this football team, and they gave them to him. You know, he elevated himself out the locker room. I, I talked about that. Um, just, you know, the whole entourage stuff. We were talking off this off about this off air, Brian Ortega, our producer, and you know, diva wide receivers, right? But he's a diva quarterback. Um, and so how do you how do you repair that? Well, first of all, you have to erase that from him. You have to take it from him. You have to scare the bejesus out of this guy. Seriously. Um, and I don't know anybody strong enough to do that at this point. Now there's some people that could be candidates that know how to do it. Uh, and we'll see if that can happen. But that's how you repair him. I mean, mm -hmm. his play on the field will get better because he'll he'll have no other choice, and, and certainly he'll apply himself. And we know that about Russell. He's a hard worker. We know that about him. He loves football. But the ego uh, has grown too big uh, and, has, and has suffered uh, his play on the field, and, and certainly you think about the locker room and then, and then certainly that football team right now. Yeah, and you, look, you think about the who could come in there and be that type of presence – yeah, I was just home for the holidays with family. I have a couple uncle uncles who are huge Bronco fans, and they're mm -hmm. like, oh, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. <laughs> We're getting Sean Payton. You think that really is a – look, on the surface, you have a Walmart ownership group who mm -hmm. has got tons of money. Yeah. So that certainly could be a logistic, uh, logistical outcome there. Right. Do you see that actually being the case? It, it, being, it being them just throwing as much money as humanly possible, possible and saying, all right, Sean – you are coming to Denver. We are we are making sure this happens, no matter what the price tag is. Yeah, I mean, I think they got to work out something with the Saints too, though. On top of that, right? Because yeah. you know the way that Sean Payton retired. Okay, I'm gonna unretire, and then okay, I still have rights to the Saints or whatever. They'll they'll work that out. I Again, mean, money can figure yeah, that. Out. Walmart money, not just money. <laughs> Walmart money. <laughs> Walmart money is different than everybody else's uh -huh. money. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, Eric Bieniemy certainly is on the list. Uh, would not allow that to happen with Russell. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. D'Amico, Ryan's another guy. They have a, a defensive coordinator right now, Ivero, who is fantastic uh, uh, for what he's done with that defense. Dan Quinn should have been head coach last year, to be honest with you, but they didn't go that way. Um, but the, the, those are two defensive guys, Eric and um, certainly Sean Payton, offensive-minded coaches. Sean Payton, here's, here's the fifth, though, like because Russell in his mind wants to be Drew Brees. He wants to be thought of that way. So... If you are going to implement that offense and let Russ cook and all this and feed his ego, then you also have to be strong enough as the head coach to make Russell understand his ego is not going to get oversized here. 
Uh, so if Sean Payton's that type of guy, uh, I think he is that type of coach. You know, that's a good fit too. Maybe the favorite, actually. Yeah. Well, it would make a lot of sense from from the fit perspective, mm-hmm. and that the money is there. Yeah. But if it if it isn't Payton, and if Denver goes a different direction, you also have to wonder for an ownership group that does have a ton of money. Even for while we sit here and say, okay, a $39 million dead cap hit, you, you just can't do that because that's what it would cost if the Broncos were to cut Russell Wilson and, and cut bait on the massive salary they gave him, nearly a quarter billion dollars. But if there was an ownership group that would say, whatever, it's a sunk cost, mm-hmm. you, know, you're, you, you love the old uh, the economist terms there, I'm Mike. An economist. Isn't that one of the rare situations where you might see an ownership group, if they don't get the fit at, at, at head coach to work with Wilson, if it's not Peyton, if it's somebody else, Mm-hmm. Do you see them being in a position where they'd say, you know what, I know it's a lot of money, but it's a sunk cost. We've got the money. Let's just cut them and cut our losses. Well, put put it this way. Sam Kroenke, who owns the Rams, he left St. Louis. And he had to pay yeah. St. Louis how much? $200 million, like, something like, like that? Approximately a kajillion dollars, right. give or take a couple. It's long, couple it's Walmart money, though. Yeah. Stan Kroenke, he had his own property, and he built a stadium, SoFi. I mean, you're talking about Walmart money. So, yeah, would you eat that much? And okay, would it compromise your salary cap? It would, but Denver would be in rebuild mode anyway, which they kind of are. I mean, think about that roster right now with the Broncos. I mean, the running back situation, we'll find out about the injury to the running back they recently drafted. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but their offensive line is going to be under repair. Uh, defensively, you wonder what's going to happen uh, with all those players. Um, they traded Bradley Chubb. I mean, they, they weren't keeping players to begin with. So Denver is trying to send a message that they're going to rebuild. So, I mean, if you want to move on from Russell, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to be expensive. But you are dealing with people with a lot of money. Yeah, it's uh, um, and it's just the, we bring up the point because people are acting like Wilson is now going to hold yeah. Denver hostage, which well, they, no. he doesn't really they – don't, they don't need him to no. do that because there is the money there. It will cost a pretty penny. Uh, Brian Ortega reminds me it was five hundred seventy-one million that Stan Kroenke that uh, ended up. There was the lawsuit. Yeah, St. Louis, a lot of lot of money, and whatever. then built up what a four billion dollar whatever. And it was it was stadium? much more it was much more expensive than originally thought yeah. too. I mean the cost got out of control. <laughs> it did. Shocking that that would happen in yeah, Inglewood, California uh, <laughs> development uh, there in L.A. Anyway, that's that's the state of the Denver Broncos, and it's just fascinating how you have teams like Denver who, when you look at teams out of playoff positioning, Mike, we start looking at the off the field issues. How do we figure that that handicaps in the final two week of the, of yeah. the two weeks of the season? It's a little bit easier from the general raw handicapping thought when you at least can look at teams who are in the fight for the mix and you can take away some of those distractions when it leads to a handicap. Kind of like we have Thursday night where the Dallas Cowboys, by beating Philadelphia, I mean, they're two games back mm-hmm. of the Eagles in the NFC East with two games to go. So it'll either be win two straight, have the Eagles lose two straight and win the NFC East, or Dallas is locked into the five seed Tennessee, this game does not matter for Thursday night. It, it only will put them in a position, regardless of whether they win or lose, still have to beat Jacksonville Week 18 to win the AFC South. With that all being said, Mike, big old move on the line as it is now to 10 mm. in the market. 10 for the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. A lot of openers were in that uh, 9.5 range, now up to 10, and actually behind us, Circa just went to 10.5. Enough, uh, enough points to want to... You want to get you involved with Tennessee, or is that is this just a, a situation where Dallas should have their way and and really bury a Titan team? Maybe looking ahead to next week. Yeah, no layups in the National Football League this year, um, so should have their way. I'll be careful of that one. Um, it is an opportunity to catch ten and a half points though on a short weekend. I mean, I know the news about Tony Pollard uh, should be back at practice today. Uh, that's helpful, but you know Dallas. 
Dak Prescott is prone to mistakes, though, at times. We've, we've seen that play out a little bit on the road, too. And uh, here you have them on a short week. Is, is, are the Cowboys inflated? Like, they're, they're a five seed, uh, but they're kind of locked into that situation. Unless un, un, it would take a lot, unforeseen yeah. things happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to inflate the Cowboys. It's one, I don't lay double digits. And then certainly on a short week, I'm going to avoid that. But uh, the only lean I would have right now would be taking points. But then, okay, break down the Titans and what do they have and what else can they get to against that Dallas Cowboys defense? A lot of people will point out, okay, if Dallas at the same time, they don't have a very good run defense, have been gashed most of the year. It's a team that's bottom 10 in the league in yards per game allowed on the ground, bottom eight in yards per carry allowed. I found it interesting, though, that the last five weeks, Dallas against the run on an EPA per play allowed basis, only... You ready for this, Mike? Mm. Only the Ravens and 49ers have been better since week yeah. 12 defending the run than Dallas and who have just faced an elite run offense right. with the Philadelphia Eagles, even with Jalen Hurts being out. So do you like? Do you think that's well, real, the, the Dallas resurgent, or is that just too small of a sample size? No, I mean, it, it, it's December football, too. I, I think I would, I would certainly respect it. Uh, but then also respect what Will Hill mentioned about, okay, Tennessee, they might take a week off yeah because <laughs> that's the matchup that it's can yeah. dallas it, it's all about run defense when you face yeah. tennessee right right and then that willingness to be physical do you want to take a chance when everything's on the line next week against jacksonville anyway right you're tennessee I've, i mean i've made it to week 17 without making a bet on a thursday night game uh, mike because these i don't like the short week yeah. handicap and whenever you tell me the stories about trying to get ready to yeah. play on a short week I say no thank you. So I think I'm going to keep my streak going <laughs> and <Okay>. continue not <laughs> making a Thursday night bet all year. Uh, if the lean, though, I mean, you would think Dallas, based on yeah. the situational position, it would be that. Yeah. Anyway, this has been a lot of fun, Mike. As always. Absolutely. We're done on the Lombardi line. It is VEASAN Big Bets coming your way next. <laughs> 